time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Chad Erickson, this Monday, November 27th, 2023. Sam Yarnell comes our way in about 15 minutes. We'll get into the firing of Frank Reich with him. We'll also chat about the top storylines from week 12 in the NFL. Maybe we'll even get in a betting choice or two for tonight's Monday Night Football game, which seems like there's only one real choice when it comes to betting that game tonight. But we'll get to that coming up in a bit. And we'll wrap it up with odds and ends. And for once, I'm going to weave in WWE to real sports because there's a real parallel between something that happened in WWE this weekend and the and the real sports world. Real sports world. Uh, but first, we say hello to our good friend, the fantastic Matt Verderam is hanging out with us on the show today, SI.com, NFL Insider. And boy, I didn't know when we booked you last night that we'd have some big news to talk about today, but we certainly do with the firing of Frank Reich uh, in Carolina. And look, I'll give some credit to Jay Glazer. A few weeks ago, he said the hottest seat in the NFL was the one that Frank Reich was sitting on. And it turned out he was spot on with this because Frank Reich is out today, now getting guaranteed money from the Colts and Jim Irsay and David Tepper in Carolina. Man, it's great work if you can find it. Yeah, I mean, you go to the mailbox in your robe and uh, you pick up two two game checks. Good, good for Frank. I, look, I don't know what David Tepper expected this year. Obviously, he expected better than one in ten. Like everybody understands that they should be better than this. At the same point, David Tepper is a very involved owner. He was very involved in the drafting of Bryce Young, and Bryce Young has not been good. And you could sit there and blame Frank Reich all you want. They can't block anybody, and Young's just not been what they need him to be at this point. And meanwhile, you've got C.J. Stroud, who looks like God reincarnate over in Houston right now, which is not helping the situation. Well, how much, nope. of, this, how much of this is because of Stroud being that good? Do you think he's firing? Do you think he's firing? You know, if the Texans are a one or two games better than Carolina and Stroud was struggling— does the, right. Do we have the same result here? No, I, I mean, it's a good question. I think it's a fair question. I don't know. I don't know that we do. I, I don't think that we do, quite honestly. I think a big part of this is you're looking at Houston. Houston is playing good football with a great young quarterback who was taken one spot after your guy went. And so the, the other part of this is with the Panthers, too. They didn't just draft young. They traded a fortune away to, to be able to do it. It's not like they had the number one overall pick. They almost won the division last year with Sam Darnold and Steve Wilkes running the show. And a lot of people in the league felt like Steve Wilkes should have got that job. And he didn't get the job, and they went to Frank Reich. Look, I'll throw my hand up and say, look, I thought Frank Reich was a, was a solid hire. He, he had no quarterback play after Andrew Luck in Indianapolis, and they were consistently in the mix. I thought he'd be a good – good fit for Bryce Young and, and working with that young team. It didn't work out. That being said, to fire the guy after 11 games, like to me, all that does is tell every prospective head coach, guess what? You got about 10 games. So come here and figure it out quick. So if you're, let's say, Ben Johnson and the Lions, right, and you have your pick of jobs this offseason, why the hell would you go to Carolina? Why would you go there? It sends a horrible message. 
I think Tepper got a little hot under the collar, and I think he panicked a little bit. And I think long term, it does them no good to fire Frank Wright this quickly. And and the you know the fly in the ointment for all of this, so to speak, is the idea that Tepper wanted young, and you know this is all, by all accounts Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud. So, you know, at at the end of the day, you probably got a lukewarm Reich towards the quarterback he has to coach, and you've got an owner that, you know, is probably having some buyer's remorse. I said this is like the 84 NBA. I wonder if this is going to be the 84 NBA draft all over again. Sam Bowie goes second instead of Michael Jordan, and Jordan goes third to to the Bulls. Kind of makes you wonder if 20 years from now we're going to look back at this and be like, man, that was kind of the Sam Bowie-Michael Jordan moment, wasn't it? Sometimes I really believe, and it's not just NFL. Every every sports free franchise is capable of doing this, but like they just overthink this stuff. Bryce Young was spectacular at Alabama. No would nobody would say that he's not, but he is very diminutive, and he does not have the arm C.J. Stroud has. Period. So like, as long as you think that C.J. Stroud has the football IQ, which I don't think was ever in question, as long as you think that, why wouldn't you take him? And and by the way. Like, I'm wrong all the time. I thought Frank Reich was a good pick for the Panthers. I, at the time, wrote that. Like, I don't understand why C.J. Stroud's not the number one overall pick here. He is bigger. He's got a bigger arm. He he clearly has the ability to scan the field and make the throws and, and, and play the game with a high IQ. Like, I don't get why you would take Young. Now, I will say, I, don't, I did not expect Young to struggle as much as he struggled. But Stroud... He has all the tools. Like, I don't know. What, I think sometimes you just almost get a groupthink mentality, and then it becomes if we don't take this guy and we go against the grain and we're wrong, it's a disaster where it's like, look, just take the guy. You know, if you think you're right. I always tell the story when the Chiefs drafted, drafted Mahomes. They went from 27 to 10 to do it. And people at the time were like, wow, that, you know, a huge jump in the draft. I had somebody in the organization tell me we tried to get the five. The Titans just wouldn't trade it. Like they would, they would have gone to the number one pick if they could have done it. They just felt like he was that great of a player, even though a lot of people at the time killed them for, for taking him at 10. If you believe in a guy, you just do it and you live with the consequence. I think the Panthers, they were split in the building. They ended up on young. And now here we are. Uh, The oldest comparison, by the way, you know, that, that I can think of when it comes to, you know, this Reich situation is you, you want to open up a, you know, a restaurant that you expect to be a, you know, Michelin star restaurant. You bring in the greatest chef from the other side of the world. And then you tell them, but, but we're going to give you these ingredients to work with. And there's no flexibility. You've got, yeah. you, you know what? We want you to cook the greatest steak in the world, but we're getting steak from Kroger's. You know, that's that's the steak that you get to cook with. No offense to Kroger, but that's the steak you're going to get to cook with. We're not giving you the best meat. We're not giving it right from the butcher. No, we're going to give you the stuff that was shipped in a, you know, in a in a moving van somewhere. And that's what you get to work with if you're Frank Reich. And at the end of the day, you cannot run an organization that way. You just you can't you can't say we're we're starting fresh with Frank Reich, who's a quarterback coach. And then we're going to give you a quarterback that you don't want. You can't do it. Well, next year for them is year 30, and they're yet to win a Super Bowl. Been to a couple, so not 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 a complete disaster. But, I mean, you look at them and just go, where's this going? I mean, you traded away – let's face it. You probably traded away what's about to be the first overall pick in the draft. I mean, so in theory – or not in theory, in practicality, you frittered away two number one overall picks in a row. 
And the Bears are sitting there going, thank God, right? I mean, the, the Bears are like, Amazing. oh, this is a gift from heaven, right? I mean, now they can either take Caleb Williams or they could take Marvin Harrison Jr. They, I mean, if you're the Bears, you, you've you died and gone to heaven. I mean, you're going to have two top five picks, and the Panthers are sitting there. They, they don't have either one of those picks anymore to use, and they don't have DJ Moore. I, it, it's, it's, that is about as bad as it gets. Really uh, is. Matt, tell me something. You know, we like to nitpick at the Eagles, and we've done it all year. But yeah. now at this point, and, and look, oh, the statistics say they got outplayed by uh, the, the Chiefs. And if, you know, if uh, you don't get a drop pass late in that game, the Chiefs win that game. And then yesterday, oh, they got outplayed by the Bills, but they find ways to win. Do we just have to start accepting this is the best team in football? Yeah, I mean every every week for my and I don't do the power rankings at SI, I, but I do them as a I guess as a complete loser just off the side from my own mental. It's uh, a good IQ. exercise. So I, walk, yeah. so I stay on top. They've been number one on my power rankings the entire season. I mean they are ten and one, but you're right, Jason. I mean there's been a lot of like, well you know their pass defense isn't that good. Well you know this is they're ten and one. <laughs> they just won three games in a row over Dallas, Kansas City, and Buffalo. And they've beaten, and they've beaten, just say what you want about the division they play in. They've beaten all the good teams. Right. I mean, now they get San Francisco this weekend, who I think they're going to beat, by the way. Like, they they beat all these teams. Now, look, you want to sit there and say, hey, you know what? Dallas had them on the ropes, and Dallas moved back 25 yards on their own accord. Okay, fine. You want to say the Chiefs dropped a billion passes? Those things are true. Those are facts. But the Dallas game, that's who Dallas is. That's who they've been all year. That's why they're not 10 and 1. The Chiefs lead the league in drops. That is who the Chiefs are. Okay. Nobody covers the Chiefs any closer than me outside their beat writers. The Chiefs, could the Chiefs play them in the Super Bowl and beat them? Yeah. Yes. Nobody's saying they, they could. They can. But they should have lost that game. I covered it. I was in the stadium for that game. Like they dropped everything known to men. You know who didn't drop the ball? The Eagles. And the Bills. For all this 500 yards, you get all these people like, well, they're EPA. Who cares? You're not doing seeding off of EPA. Which, by the way, any stat that starts with expected should be thrown in the garbage. It didn't happen. Who cares? And the Bills are the darlings of all that stuff. Well, they're second in this and they're fourth in that. Yeah, well, they're six and six. And they got five conference losses. And if they lose one more game, they're not making the playoffs. And they're going to lose in two weeks at Arrowhead because the Chiefs are going to give up 10 points in that game. Look, I'm to the point with Buffalo. It is what it is. They got all that yardage. And you know what Philadelphia did? They drove down in the driving rain and kicked a 59-yard field goal. And then the Bills missed Gabe Davis on what would have been a wide-open game-ending touchdown in overtime. They had a miscommunication. And then the Bills, for reasons I'll never understand, played prevent defense until they hit the 10th row. I don't know what that was, but the Eagles were like, that's great. Thank you very much. Good night. And now they're 10-1. and one. Matt Verderam, ladies and gentlemen. You got, you got anything else? You, you want to go, you go somewhere? Uh, yeah, it's just the, the, what, I can't stand dumb football. And, like, the Chiefs, look, they lost because they made physical errors. Okay, fine. It's not good, but fine. The Bills in that game, you are your season's on the line. And the Bills are like, that's fantastic. We're going to play 10 yards off on third and two. And then – Against a team that you know, if you give them a quarterback draw, look, he's out the door, ran cover zero at their own 12-yard line. And you know if, like, your defensive lineman doesn't tackle him, it's a walk-in touchdown. 
And that's what they did. And he, he walked in. So, look, the Eagles, to me, are the best. I still believe, and I believe this going into last Monday night, I believe it now, the two best teams in football played at Arrowhead a week ago. I still think they're the two best teams. I know we don't normally see Super Bowl rematches. It's been 30 years. I think we're going to see one this season. I know this format isn't fun when people agree, but I'm 100% with you. I, I, if, if you told me right now, if the playoffs started today, I think, I think we're set up for Chiefs and Eagles in the Super Bowl you know, again. And, and by the way, and by the way, we could do a lot worse than those two teams meeting up again. Realistically, right now, who's going into those stadiums and beating those teams? I mean, who's like, honestly, as much as I just waxed poetic about Philly, I think the Niners probably have a better shot beating them than anybody in the AFC does beating the Chiefs. I mean, I respect Baltimore and Miami, but I, I just. Lamar Jackson, listen, you know me. I'm not a Lamar Jackson guy. You can give me all the MVP, you know, betting odds. Lamar Jackson's the MVP right now through 12 weeks. So I would take Hurts, but Jackson's my number two pick. Like I, but for me though, like the, the Ravens are the one team I'd give the best shot to do it just because they're playing really well defensively and Lamar is so unique. They're well-rounded. They can, they yeah. can, they can do a lot of things well. The Andrews injury scares the hell out of me in a game like that. Because mm-hmm. I think if you're the Chiefs, you've got Snead and McDuffie, and you would just say, look, we're going to take Flowers out of this game, and you can't throw the ball. Like, that would be the concern I'd have in that game. But the flip side of that is the Ravens might say, well, we're going to hold you to 13 points yeah. because you can't score. So the Ravens are the one team I think you go in there. With all due respect to Tua, I just don't think he can do it. I don't at this point in his career. The Jags have played the Chiefs three times in the last calendar year. They can never score a point against them. The Chiefs just, for whatever the reason, they match up well. Um, and the Chiefs also have the benefit. You're not going to see Burrow. You very well might not see Allen. You're not seeing Herbert. Like, you could argue that other than Lamar, the three best quarterbacks in the not going to see any of them. So I think Philly and Kansas City, assuming they end up with the one seed, which Philly definitely, I, I believe, will, and I think the Chiefs will as well. You got two games each at home. Who's betting against those teams to win those games? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I also think, though, you know, this is one of those years, and I've been, I've been saying this for a while. Maybe I'm nuts. Um, wouldn't be the first time. I, I also think it's one of those years, because we keep looking at the Eagles and saying, well, you know, they're not doing this well, they're not doing that well. The Chiefs, you know, the offensive issues that they've yep. had. It yep. also feels to me like it's one of those years, Matt, where we could also wind up with, like, Jacksonville and Detroit in the Super Bowl. Like, no, no, really. Like, it's just going to be who gets hot late at the end of the year. And and you could wind up with the Chiefs yep. or the or the or the Eagles getting picked off. And you wind could. up with a weird Super Bowl that nobody could have predicted before the season started. You could. You definitely could. No, I was laughing because it's true. I mean, I think I don't my, feel like my, anybody's inevitable. You no, know, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think, though, when I, when I look at playoff football, I always go back to how many ways can you win? And I feel like both those teams can win in a lot of ways. Like, mm. even though the Chiefs offensively this year have been suspect, if you tell me the Chiefs are down six with the ball, like with, with two minutes left, I'm picking them to go down. The I, Mahomes will just drag that carcass across the end zone. Yeah, this is one I, of those years, though. That offense, man. I, I mean, the me, drops is a real thing. I, yep. It's, they have tons of turnovers. I get it. The teams Eagles take can't away stop Kelsey. You know, if, if teams take away Kelsey, where's he going with the football? 
Right. Right. No, it's it's fair. I mean, and I think right now, by the way, the answer is probably that second round rookie Rasheed Rice, who's mm-hmm. been like their best guy. But that's to your point. Like, that's a big question. Like, I I do. I agree 100 percent with you. There is a lot of volatility. I just look at those two teams and say, come January, and maybe I'm wrong with this. Come January, when those teams, when you're getting their absolute best, and you're getting them with an A-plus game plan, totally focused, knowing they got to have it, like, I think there is a little bit of, you know, during the anthem, when you're looking across the field and you're looking at Philly or you're looking at Kansas City, you're probably like, you know what? I think we can win. I hope we can win. With the other teams looking across the field going, yeah, we're going to win. We're going to win this game, and there's nothing you're doing about it. Like, I also just, frankly, I just love to see a rematch of the game. It was such a great Super Bowl. Monday night was not maybe a Mona Lisa in terms of the quality, but it was a, it was an excellent game. I just think those two teams, I would love to see round three. I would love to see them just play again. I will say I think San Francisco is probably the biggest hurdle for either team. If they're healthy, look, if San Francisco is fully healthy, they're very, very good. I, th- I think that I think they can. I think they, unlike you, I think they could actually beat Philadelphia if they're if they are fully healthy. I think they can win that game. I think they can. I don't think they will, but I, I think they. Uh, my biggest thing with them is they got to get in front of you. If they don't get in front of you, and you know Purdy's got to throw, it's a problem. Yeah. Like it's, and that's where to me that's where teams like Philly and Kansas City they know that, and if they can get up on you, it's an issue. But if the Niners get up on you, it's like a Venus flytrap, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's good night. Um, it, it's it's going to be fascinating. It really is. I mean, it's a year where you're right. There's no, there's no gimmies. There's no team you'll look at and just go, that team's so overwhelming. There's no chance they're not going to, you know, that they're going to get knocked off. That's, that doesn't exist this season. No, there's no, to me, there is nothing that seems inevitable like in, like yep. in so many years past. Here's the good news. In a couple of months, we'll find out if if any of what we thought was right or not. Matt Verderam, uh, NFL insider over at SI.com. Check out his work there. It is terrific. Matt, I always appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. Hey, you got it. Anytime. Uh, Matt Verderam hanging out with us on the show today. All right, stick around. I got a lot more to get to, including Sam Yarnell. We'll get his thoughts on the Frank Reich firing. Also, um, a comparison, an interesting comparison between sports entertainment, and real sports. I'll explain. That's in odds and ends later on in the show. Stick around. Just getting started on this Monday edition of the Sports Wrap. We continue on this Monday edition of the show. Good to have you with us. I'll get to the we in a second. Thank you to Matt Verderam for stopping by. NFL Insider over at SI.com. Uh, thoughts with him on a busy NFL Monday. Uh, yeah, we, we plan these shows out in advance. You know, I, I the night before, because we tape early in the morning on, on um, you know, anywhere between 9 a.m. and noon, we tape on, on uh, the weekday mornings. And it just goes to show you, sometimes you can make all the plans in the world and then we just throw our papers up in the air and we um, marvel at how badly and spectacularly uh, wrong things are because we have to go and and do redos. And mornings like today are a perfect reason why, uh, with Frank Reich having been fired 
as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers with the team at 1-10 and 10 through their first 11 games, and Wright gets canned in his first season with the Panthers, obviously not his first season in the league as a head coach, and he becomes the first head coach to be fired midseason in back-to-back seasons. Let's talk about it. Our man Sam Yarnell is hanging out with us on the show today as he does each and every day. And Sam, look, at, at the end of all of this, this this is an ownership issue. It could all go back to David Tepper. His tenure since he has taken over has been a disaster. And the reality is, I get the sense, I have no inside information, but Frank Reich did not want, by all accounts, Frank Reich wanted the guy in Houston, in C.J. Stroud. He didn't want Bryce Young. So now he gets saddled with a quarterback he doesn't even want, which is the equivalent of saying, hey, we're going to hire you to be our head chef at this great, expensive restaurant. We want it to be a five-star, Michelin-star restaurant. And we're going to hire you to be the head chef. But we're going to pick the ingredients. The owner, some bean counter in in an office, is going to pick the ingredients out. And they're going to decide what you have to work with for the menu. You know that's not going to end well. So, and and look, Jay Glazer, three weeks ago, Jay Glazer said the hottest seat in football was the one Frank Reich was sitting on. So anybody who was paying attention over the last month is not surprised that Frank Reich is out. And I wouldn't be surprised if he just needled Tepper because he's got guaranteed money coming to him now from two teams. He's got guaranteed money coming from Jim Ursay and David Tepper. Talk about getting your bag. And Frank Reich's going to get paid all of that money. Um, but, you know, this is what happens when you draft the wrong quarterback. Um, inevitably, this is what happens when you draft the wrong quarterback. Give me your thoughts. So I agree with everything that you said, Jason. I think it's a Tepper issue, but I think there's a name that we've got to not forget about. And that's Scott Fitterer. I don't know how Scott Fitterer made it out of today with a job if Frank Wright made it out without one. And I think that tells us a little bit more about where those relationships are in the back offices uh, down in Carolina. I think Fitterer and Tepper are probably like this, considering Fitterer's the guy who makes the trade with the Bears for the number one overall pick that goes to Bryce Young. He also is the one who sends them uh, DJ Moore and then not, four months later says we're in the market for a number one wide receiver. Uh, It's a very interesting dynamic. I'm not going to come out and say that they fired the wrong guy, but it seems like they fired the wrong guy. Uh, Fitterer is seemingly driving this, this franchise into the ground from a personnel standpoint, which is pretty hard to do. And they've kind of obviously made Frank Reich the scapegoat. Jason, I don't think it's anything that unsimilar to what happened to Frank Wright in Indianapolis, right? Same kind of thing. Disagreements with between Jonathan Taylor and the front office. Uh, so you've got a star player who the coach is kind of just the middleman in the beef between the star player and the front office. Same as Carolina. When you look at the Bryce Young situation, Frank Young, or Frank Reich found himself out on an island and he became the scapegoat. Um it's interesting. He's got to find better teams to go to when he wants a new coaching job. Yeah, but, if he but, in most cases, these- but in most cases, when you are getting a head coaching job, you're usually taking over a disaster. 
Yeah, I mean, and by its very nature, if you're a new head coach, you're usually, I'm, unless you're talking about the rare instance where somebody retires after X number of years in the league, you're generally taking over a dumpster fire. You know, and, and here's the other thing. Here, here's the, I would say this is probably 80-20, with 80% of it being above Frank Reich's pay grade, whether it's GM, player totally. personnel, David Tepper, who's been a, a, an absolute train wreck since uh, taking over the Panthers franchise. Um, and 20% goes to Reich. And some of it has to go to Reich. You are a quarterback coach. You've got to be able to do more with Bryce Young than nine touchdown passes over the first 11 games of the season. It's not like that franchise is devoid of talent so badly that they couldn't be a little better this year. Remember, Steve Wilkes, who's probably thanking his lucky stars right now that he didn't get that head coaching job, the full-time job, because we've seen how this this ownership group is is very willing to just exile um, coaches at, a, at the drop of a hat. And this is a meddlesome owner, by the way. This is a guy that wants to be Jerry Jones. He's a guy that wants to have his hands in everything that this organization is doing. And we've seen, by and large, those owners are not successful in this league. But if you're Frank Reich, you've got to be able to to develop. You know, and I know he wanted C.J. Stroud, but if this is what you get, you've got to be able to develop it better than he has over the first 11 games of the season. Still, it's nuts to fire a guy midseason. It's not going to do anything. It's, you know, it's window dressing on a really bad season on the Bryce Young thing, but I think that there's a discourse that needs to be opened, Jason, into was Bryce Young ever really deserving of being the pick that he was? Was it not just ownership group's fault? Like, what? seriously, this is an honest question, and I will eat it if I'm wrong on this, but what? at what point, in what single week even this season, even in their win, in what week this season did you watch Bryce Young on an NFL football field and say, yeah, that guy belongs as one of the 32 quarterbacks in the league? Because... Honestly, I haven't yet. And I did it with CJ Stroud maybe week two or week three. When you have a bust that is just this prolific, boring, when when you had a chance to take a guy who's in MVP conversation as a rookie and you didn't and you let him fall to a team that had two first round picks. Let's not forget the Houston Texans even kind of messed up their draft with Will Anderson and they're going to be... Uh, revered for years to come for that pick of C.J. Stroud. And it's just all falling back on the Panthers. They're left with an Alabama quarterback who is turning into yet another Alabama quarterback. I I mean, really? Are are we going to act like Bryce Young isn't just Jake Coker back there in the pocket? (laughs) I guess Jake Coker's actually probably more Mac Jones. But the epidemic of Alabama quarterbacks, this is another thing that I've been on for years. The epidemic of Alabama quarterbacks has to stop. Alabama can't. There is one good quarterback that went to Alabama in the NFL right now, and he transferred out of Alabama. So we need to quit this narrative on Alabama quarterbacks are actually anything in the NFL. They're not. Well, other than Joe Namath. <laughs> I mean, really? Right. I mean, so if we go back to the 1960s, yeah. then yeah. Bart Starr as well. Bart Starr, Alabama guy. Uh, Total I, respect for the for the program in 1960, Jason. You know, you know what you start to wonder when it comes to uh, this Bryce Young 
C.J. Stroud thing. Now, I get that in, in the 84 NBA draft, Hakeem Olajuwon went number one, but then the second pick. You think about how the history of the Portland Trailblazers franchise would have been different. They drafted Sam Bowie, and Michael Jordan was sitting there. They mm. drafted Sam Bowie, and Jordan goes three to Chicago. The rest is history, but makes you wonder. How, you know, if this might be, if this could be, and I get it, it's only year one of CJ Stroud. There's going to be ups and downs to this thing as, as we, as we've seen, but it does make you wonder if this is going to be the, you know, Michael Jordan, Sam Bowie equivalent Mm -hmm. in the NFL. If 20 years from now, we're talking to go, man, remember 20 years ago when they drafted Bryce Young, number one in Carolina and keep this in mind. They got no they got no draft pick. They don't get the number one pick. So if the thought is, well, you tank, you get a number one pick again, you get a do-over quarterback, you get Caleb Williams, eh, not happening. There won't be any is- Caleb Williams going there. He'll be going to Chicago or the Giants. Well, not the Giants, because the Giants have figured out that they just don't want to tank. Um, they'd rather win games with Tommy DeVito, apparently. Uh, it's just the dumbest thing ever. Um, Jason, how does your wide receiver core sound next year when it's Jonathan Mingo, who's in his second year, Adam Thielen in his 16th year, and uh, really? Robbie Chosen off of his couch? That's that's the uh, Carolina Panthers wide receiving core you're looking at next year. I'm telling you, man, they're, they're going to be in trouble for a long time. If this young thing swings and misses, you're talking five years of just being in the wilderness. And now here's the other thing. Now look, D'Amico Ryans took the the Texans job. And last offseason, we were asking ourselves the same question about the Texans that we're likely to be asking about Carolina in this offseason. And that is, and Chris Tabor, who's the um, special teams head coach, is going to take over in the interim for... um, Great. For yeah, Chris Tabor is going to take over as the as the assistant. Now somebody somebody's going to get that somebody somebody's going to take that job. Somebody's going to take that opportunity. Um, Jim Caldwell is going to be calling the plays now. Maybe maybe you recycle Jim Caldwell um, next season if you're this team. Who knows? But who's going to want that job? You know, I mean, and and look, we said the same thing with the Texans when and D'Amico Ryan's took the job and it's gone spectacularly well. Uh, despite the loss this weekend for that team, which we'll get into in the next segment. Somebody's going to take that job and and be tasked with trying to work for an owner who's got a quick trigger finger. Hey, Sean McDermott, want to come back home? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't. Think I don't know so. why they're fireworks. Wow, that was now, that was really awesome. Was I don't awesome. know what that was. It was awesome. And it was like right on time when you said Sean McDermott. Boom. I need to. I need to clip. How that. did that just Bill's happen? Fans are gonna love that. How Get did... Sean McDermott out of Buffalo. Send him back to Carolina. <laughs> that was the greatest thing ever. That was so funny. How did you do that? It's happening again. We got we got Rockets red glare. All right, stick around. We're going to come back. We'll talk about the big stories from yesterday. We'll try to figure out why uh, there's a pyrotechnic show going on behind Sam. And we'll come back. Uh, we'll get into week 12 around the league. A couple of big games that got my attention yesterday. Monday night football preview. We got a lot to squeeze in today on the Sports Wrap. Stay with us. The sports wrap continues on this Monday. Odds and ends to wrap it up in a few minutes. 
when wrestling and real sports sort of parallel each other. We'll get to that. Um, so what I had planned to start the conversation with when it came to talking to Sam was, was not going to originally be Frank Reich, but of course the firing of the um, head coach of the Carolina Panthers obviously caused us to, to switch some things around. Sam, week 12 in the NFL obviously um, didn't disappoint in a couple of games. Obviously, the Bills-Eagles being one of the games of the year, not just of the week, on um, on Sunday. And look, I know he threw the one interception in kind of a big spot there. Josh Allen played a great game. Jalen Hurts played a great game. And maybe we just have to start recognizing that the Eagles are the best team in football. Maybe, maybe we have to start recognizing that they're just one of these teams that seems to play to the level they need to every week because we've seen them play down to the level of competition and we've seen them raise their level. You know, whether it was against the Chiefs last week, against the Bills in this spot, and everybody's like, well, if they play like this against the 49ers, they're going to lose and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but they won't play like this against the Niners. They'll take it to the level they need to in order to beat the 49ers. And I'm not saying they will beat the Niners, but they're not going to get run out of that game. This is just who the Eagles are this year, isn't it? Uh, maybe, but they should not have won this game. They should not be 10-1. and one. They should be 9-2. and two. Sean McDermott lost this game. The Eagles did not win this game. Um, the Bills had this game in the bag, and with 20 seconds left, decided to hand the chance to the Eagles instead of take this game was, and, and I said this, I was texting this be a, a colleague of mine Buffalo fans, and this in the business the during the game. And let me actually, I want to pull up my text so I can read you exactly what I wrote when the bills were driving down the field to score their touchdown. Let's see. Great to see, uh, or, Uh, Great to see Sean McDermott has used literally every excuse in the book to try to give the impression that he's still hands off in this offense, the Bills offense, yet they still went screen run screen to go three and out on the opening drive of the game have gone uh, at this point, which I believe was still about three minutes, two minutes to go in the game. They had gone first down uh, run five times in the second half alone, a half when they were being wildly outplayed by Philadelphia. And also Latavius Murray and Ty Johnson were taking meaningful carries in that game last night. If you're going to look at me and tell me that Sean McDermott did not coach himself out of that game single-handedly, don't even talk about the drive in overtime where he played the Kansas City Chiefs 13 seconds defense against Philadelphia and let them walk right in. And by the way, Jordan Mailata said right after the game, he couldn't believe they scored on the play they scored on. It's one of the most frequent plays they use in the Eagles playbook. How did the Bills not see that coming? And the second they saw Jordan Poyer, the safety over the top, who, by the way, is almost as washed as this morning's laundry. Uh, as soon as they saw him bite on something, they knew Jalen Hurts was going to score. You knew Sean McDermott was going to coach himself out of this game. You knew it with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and they didn't even get to, and they that was before they even had gotten to overtime. It was ridiculous. You talk about 20 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. You got a timeout in your pocket and the most athletic quarterback in the league in the backfield, and you're too scared to throw the ball one time. It was ridiculous. The Eagles did not deserve to win that game, but the Bills coached themselves right out of it. You can make the argument then that the the Eagles didn't deserve to win back-to-back weeks. 
I agree. I mean, you, they should have lost to the Chiefs. But they the still Chiefs keep chunk. finding ways to win. I mean, that's, I mean, there's no getting around it. They still, every week, this team has an act. And this is what championship teams do. They find ways to win. Also, throw on, top of, throw on top of this the fact um, that the Eagles' path to the Super Bowl is going to be a lot less fraught than whoever mm. comes out of the AFC. Because the AFC is going to be really running the gauntlet. If you make it to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, you have earned your spot uh, in Las Vegas. The same cannot be said. When it comes to the NFC, where you've got an NFC South, that is the embarrassment of football right now. But I'll be curious to see how this um, Eagles team does navigate the rest of this um, this regular season now. And again, and now you've got people talking about Jalen Hurts. Is he is he the is that your MVP now? Does has Jalen Hurts moved up? Into the into the spot where we're talking about him as the MVP. Well, right now he's plus one fifty, according to our friends yeah. at FanDuel Sportsbook, the unofficial sportsbook of the sports rap. Unofficial, why they don't pay us? Uh, Patrick Mahomes is second at plus three fifty. Dak Prescott is third at plus six hundred, which boggles the mind. Uh, See, this is the thing with the MVP. It's such a meaningless yeah, award at this point. It is. And like, look, are, are I'll we tell you seriously who it be. having a conversation where Patrick Mahomes is the second favorite when Christian McCaffrey has been doing what he's been doing? When Tyreek Hill is going to set the single season receiving yards record? Out. No, no, I'll throw all them out. You know who it is right now? And I am not a fan of this player. I am not Lamar. a fan. It's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's yep. the MVP right now in this league. Great point. By any account, if you watch the way that guy is playing right now, Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the National Football League through 12 weeks in the season. Now, look, this is around the time of the year where he gets hurt and takes takes some time off. Um, Hopefully that's not the case this year. You're the one to make faces when you're always predicting that Tua Tagovailoa is going to wind up getting injured. You're the one to make faces right now. That's Lamar's kind of not funny. in a contract year this year. The injuries yeah. are off the table. Yeah. It's not a contract year, Jason. But he is, Come on. He, he is playing uh, fantastic football this year. And I'm and again, anybody who's listened to me on the radio, uh, watch me on TV, I am not a Lamar Jackson guy, but there is no denying. Yeah, there's no denying he is playing some of his best football, if not the best football of his career. Uh, through the t- first 12 weeks of the season. By the way, your guy, Christian McCaffrey, is plus 3,000 uh, to win the MVP as of right now. Just wanted to, just yeah. wanted to put that out there. It's what not going to happen. Hill? I, I, would, I would be more interested in Tyreek Hill winning it plus at this 4, point 000. than Christian McCaffrey. Tyreek yeah, is plus so 4,000. They want to give it to a quarterback. Right, which is the stupidest thing that this that the MVP yep. has become the quarterback award and the offensive player of the year has become all 10 other positions on the field. Yep. Uh, it, that's so ridiculous to me. I understand having the nature of those two be different and want give a quarterback one and a position player the other every year, sure, but don't make it the MVP always going to a quarterback. If you want to give the MVP to Tyreek Hill, then give the offensive player of the year to Jalen Hurts or, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Patrick Mahomes, whatever denomination you want to make. The fact of the matter is in 2023, a quarterback does not deserve to win the most valuable player because there's not been a quarterback that has been the most valuable player in the league. Uh, Jaguars beat the Texans yesterday. They're eight and three. They wrestle back control of that AFC South with that win. With the loss, the Texans actually dropped a third in the division now behind the Colts, even though those two teams are at six and five. Um, 
the Texans actually wind up in third by virtue of, I guess, tiebreakers. Uh, Colts, by the way, have won three in a row and thrust themselves back into the conversation as far as the wild card is concerned. Minshew mania in Indianapolis. Uh, I know that the Jags Colts, uh, the Jags Texans game upset you yesterday, so I'm going to give you about 60 seconds here to rant about the terrible officiating in that game. Yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, the officiating and so the officiating yesterday on the whole was just bad. Like NFL officials all collectively took something before before the game started yesterday. I don't know what it was. It was way worse than the Bills Eagles game. Um, but there are people going out all over social media for all 30 teams today, breaking down why 18 calls were missed. That's not at the end of the day, what won and lost this game. There's way more of an argument to be made that the officials were more involved in the Phillies in the Philly Buffalo game. In this game, D'Amico Ryans, what are you doing, man? Like, that was my thing. It's like D'Amico Ryans should be able to come out and own this sorry offense, and they go out and put up 450 yards of total offense on him. That was, it was a little disheartening for me. As a guy who's been so, such an avid supporter of the Houston Texans all year, don't get me wrong, I still think that this team is very good and could win a playoff game. He's a rookie head coach, though. You know, there's going to, as much as we talk about, you know, growing pains for different people, it's going to be growing pains for head coaches, too. Uh, I'm I'm still very high on D'Amico Ryans and the combination of, of him and C.J. Stroud. And I will say this, the officiating being what it is yesterday, and there's some, some questionable calls in that game, to say the least. If you are C.J. Stroud, you cannot take a sack in that spot. You yeah. cannot, in the, in the closing seconds of that fourth quarter, when you're inside, I think they were at the 37. They were at the Jags 37. Mm-hmm. You cannot take a sack there. Get rid of the football. Because at the end of the day, that's, I mean, Amendola missed the kick by, by right. that much. That was it. I mean, that's the difference between, you know, 59 yards and 49 yards. It's an enormous play for for Stroud in that spot to take a sack. And again, it's part of the learning process. It's part of the growing pains um, that you're going to get. But still, the trajectory for this Texans franchise is in such a better spot than it was just 12 months ago when we were oh talking gosh. about them. And look, if you're Jacksonville, you go on the road, you get a big win that you have to have. You know, Lawrence made a couple of plays, uh, both with his legs. He made a good throw. He made a good throw in that game to Christian Kirk, which, of course, did not lead to a touchdown because because uh, they weren't able to, to punch it in there at the end of the first half. But you liked some of the things you saw out of, uh, out of Lawrence yesterday. And Jacksonville retakes control of the AFC South yesterday uh, with the win in Houston. All right, uh, on the Monday night football game. Uh, we got a we got a barn burner tonight, baby. Whoo! The Pastronaut versus uh, Justin Fields. The Bears in many to take on the Vikings. Minnesota is minus three, which just again I, I look for Admiral Akbar going. It's a trap. Um, yeah. the, I mean the Vikings at minus three. Is there any other right. bet other than the Vikings minus three? So you and I are speaking the same language here, which is crazy because the juice is actually favoring the Bears right now. It's minus 105 for the Vikings, minus 3, minus 115 for the Bears, plus 3. I like the Vikings a lot. I'm with you. We're speaking the same language on that one. I would probably go with the under, too. The under feels like a pretty safe bet here. I feel like I feel like we're going to get you off the ramen noodles diet tonight with a, with a Vikings win. Let's uh, do it. Minus 3. 
I, I think Bruce so. Bruce Chris tomorrow on the Vikings. I might have to Venmo. I might have to Venmo you some money, and and we'll and we'll go with the Vikings. What are what are any good any good player props in that game? Uh, Dobbs, might go 200. Alexander Madison touchdown at plus one sixty. Wait a second, is Josh Dobbs two hundred yards? That's what his number is. Could that be player passing yard? Yeah, Josh. Oh no, Joshua Dobbs is two twenty seven. Two twenty seven. And Justin Fields is one ninety seven and a half. I kind of like both the overs, but these primetime games have all been going under and have had such awful offense that it's kind of hard for me to do that. I think the pick, we're, in, we're the consensus pick here, and it doesn't go well when you and I have a consensus pick, by the way. doesn't always go well. I think the consensus pick, though, on, on, on behalf of the sports wrap tonight is Minnesota minus three. That's what we're going Agree. with? That's what Agree. We're going yep. With. All right. Fair enough. Uh, that is Sam Yarnell, ladies and gentlemen. Catch him on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Sam underscore Yarnell. Sam will be celebrating with Ruth Chris tomorrow, baby. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> We're coming back. Uh, we'll come back. Odds and ends, uh, I got to get to. Big story in WWE and how it relates to the real professional sports world. It's next on the Sports Wrap. All right, one last thing before we go in odds and ends to wrap up the show today. Uh, I'm not a huge wrestling guy. I know enough about it uh, to be able to talk about it intelligently. I know. A lot of times we don't think of wrestling and intelligently necessarily in the same things um, or as the same things. But it was a really interesting thing that happened this weekend. Uh, WWE formerly known as WWF. We all remember that when we were kids. Uh, WWE this weekend had one of its big premium live events, and it was on uh, Peacock. That's where they are all their their WWE stuff. And it was the Survivor Series, which has been going on forever. I think it's like 34 or 35 years. The Survivor Series event has been going on. And there had been tons of speculation leading into this event about whether or not Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Paul Levac, uh, of whether or not Triple H, who now runs WWE, is no longer run by Vince McMahon, despite the fact that he kind of oversees it all. Um, he, he doesn't really run it. Uh, the creative decisions are, are a guy named Nick Khan and, and Triple H. There was a lot of speculation that CM Punk, who left the company nearly 10 years ago, um, was going to return to WWE. Now, he had been with AEW uh, for about a year and then flamed out there, and, and that, that all kind of fits into this conversation. But on Saturday night, uh, what many people thought was very unlikely to ever happen again happened, and CM Punk made his return to WWE. It happened at the very end of the event. Some people might have even turned it off because the, the final match was over and CM Punk hadn't appeared. They even ran the little, you know, trademark credits thing in the corner. And then all of a sudden his music hit. And if you're watching us on the on the vodcast of the show, you'll see, you know, CM Punk came out and the place went nuts in Chicago. It's his hometown. Huge event uh, for WWE to have him come back the same time that uh, WWE legend Randy Orton made his return after an injury that nearly ended his career. 
But this is about CM Punk. And there's a parallel between sports entertainment and real sports. And frankly, if you watch a lot of, you know, your, your NBA, NFL, MLB, all of that stuff, it has that element of heels and good guys and bad guys and all of that. So there is a, there is a, a connection here. But CM Punk is one of the most enigmatic megastars that sports entertainment has ever seen. And his return to WWE, it kind of got me thinking of a guy like Kyrie Irving. And that's kind of the similarity that I see between a CM Punk and a Kyrie Irving. I thought, well, maybe it's kind of Ky- maybe it's, you know, Antonio Brown and CM Punk. But Antonio Brown is so far off the rails that I don't even want to go there. And there might be better ones out there that people can think of. But CM Punk's return to WWE is very much something that makes me think of Kyrie Irving. A larger-than-life star, somebody who has all the talent in the world, somebody who has succeeded at the highest level, won the greatest accolades, but is impossible to work with. You just hope you can get through a season or two seasons with somebody like a Kyrie Irving. And here is WWE welcoming back CM Punk, despite the fact that he is known to not be a good locker room guy. There are guys who are openly angry about the fact that Triple H and WWE made the decision to bring CM Punk back into the fold. Not everybody, but a good number of stars. Why? Because he's not a great locker room guy. It's something I've heard. I, honestly, I've heard that about me. throughout my own career. But casting that aside, and and sometimes it's real and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's perceived versus, versus what the actual reality is. But CM Punk coming back to WWE after saying he'd never come back, after crushing the organization just a year ago when he was working with AEW, is now back with WWE. And the question is, how long will the marriage last? How long can they get out of this this next iteration of this relationship between CM Punk and WWE. And this is a different WWE than it was 10 years ago. And, and I'll give a lot of credit to Triple H who said, look, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Hopefully he's not the same person he was 10 years ago. Because if he is, then there's a problem. If anybody is, is the same person they were 10 years ago, if they haven't evolved, so to speak... But what if he is the same person he was 10 years ago? I mean, you just watched him get fired from the rival company, AEW, because reportedly he blew up backstage at their biggest event at Wembley Stadium. Tony Khan, no relation to Nick Khan, but he is the guy that runs the um, son of Jaguars owner, Shad Khan, who passed away. Um, Tony Khan, who owns the, the Jaguars and owns AEW, say he felt threatened. Felt, you know, that that CM Punk might hurt him. What if CM Punk hasn't changed 10 years later? Does this thing last more than a year? And is WWE so hell-bent on trying to make as much money as they can that if it flames out after a year, they kind of wash their hands from it and say, whatever. We're going to find out. It's going to be an interesting marriage uh, between CM Punk and WWE and all of the guys in that locker room and everything that comes with it. It's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. If you're not following us, subscribe to the Sports Wrap with Jason Page podcast vodcast. It's on Spotify, all your favorite podcasting platforms as well. 
Thank you to Sam Yarnell for hanging out with us, as he does each and every day. Matt Verderam, SI.com NFL Insider. Good to have him, too. I'm Jason Page. We'll see you back here on Tuesday.